We're here today at the Career Pro Podcast with Stan Phelps. We're going to talk about something we're both good at, I believe, is being loud and clear. I think Stan's what? better. What? Huh? Ten... <laughs> loud and clear, 10 keys to, li- to delivering a memorable business presentation. And this could be anything, couldn't it, Stan? A, you know, an interview of the way we have to interview now in 2020, it could be over a Zoom, it could be over a Skype, it could be, you know, in any way, but a powerful, even in interviews prior to sort of this time in, in our world, uh, the third interview for many of my clients has been come and do a, a live business presentation, now right. it's online. So right. I want you to take it away, sir. You are the master, the author of the Goldfish series, and you've got some really great things to share with us today. So l- let's roll, Stan. Well, thank you. I appreciate it, John. Really quickly, uh, the silver goldfish is the 10th color in this goldfish series. If I break it down, it relates to this concept of coming across five by five, which is military speak for being loud and clear. And so in the book, we uncover 10 10 different keys, and I'm going to share my screen people can see it. Uh, start this. I'm going to take you through really briefly the 10 different uh, diff- different ways to be coming across loud and clear. And if you're on and a pod, if you're just listening to this via uh, audio or a podcast, I believe it will translate. Uh, sure. And of course, we've got the video as well to stack it up. But these points are in Silver Goldfish. So if people want to get that book, they're entitled to it. A lot of times you can pick it up free on Amazon. You can order it. Highly recommend the Goldfish series. Extremely helpful. Thanks. The, the, uh, we're going to start out with the first five are in the loud category. And the loud is not just the volume of your voice. Loud is your ability to rise above distractions and to be able to come across uh, in a way that's engaging and connects with the audience. So it starts with what's amazing. It starts before there's even one word out of your mouth. And so the first key of the 10 keys is what we call impress. And so how you dress and your physical appearance is going to communicate volumes. So the tip here is dress to the nines. You want to make sure that you dress to impress. The second type is, or or key is this idea of connecting within an interview or any other type of business presentation. And how do we connect as human beings? It's merely through stories. So you need to make sure that when you walk into uh, that job interview or that presentation, not only do you have great facts and results to back up what you're telling, but you want to be able to wrap it around a story because that's how we remember and relate as human beings. My friend Brian Eisenberg puts it well. He says, facts tell, stories sell. Um, Third type within loud is this idea of express. You need to express yourself. And one of the tips within this 
this key is this idea of understanding that, especially when you communicate something with feeling, right? Something that you might be passionate about, only 7% of what you communicate in some instances are the words that you use. You have to understand that this is called the Moravian effect. 55% of what you communicate is your body language. What's your posture? What are you gesturing? And 38% is the tone of your voice. And so in some instances, it's turning up the volume, or in some instances, it may be turning it down, especially if you're communicating something that's highly, highly personal. Board type is facilitation. Um, how do you handle things during a, a presentation or an interview? One of the things that we say that you don't want to finish with is Q&A. Be mindful to get the, the, the person that's interviewing you talking. Interject. Ask your own questions. Ask for their feedback and comments. Make it more of a two-way dialogue. Number five is this idea of entertain. The rise above the distraction. Uh, be engaging. And you have to realize that every seven to 10 minutes, you need to be able to switch things up. And so this is a great rule called a brain rule from Dr. John Medina. It's a rule of audience engagement. So know that no matter how, how great the content is that you're sharing, you need to switch it up every once in a while. Uh, so that's the five rules. Go ahead, John. Stan, what are, what are a couple of, uh, not tricks, but tactics you use to switch it up in either a live or an online presentation? Give us a few examples there if you don't mind. I know it's in the book. Yeah, so it could be that you ask a question to the audience. Just It could be for them to just do self-reflection. Um, it could be that you run a poll on an online meeting, right? Where you're asking people to answer a question, yes or no, or multiple choice, multiple guess. Um, or it could be that you give them a, a quick exercise. Maybe they pop off into uh, a breakout room and, and they connect and then come back and, and share back. But just, or, or it could be that you play a, in a business presentation, you play a short video. Every time you just change it up, you're resetting which allows the brain to be able to reset its focus. Excellent. Keep, let's keep rolling. This is great. That's the five of loud. The next five are about clarity or coming across clear. And so when you walk into any presentation or interview, you have to have what we call the one thing. What's your singular objective? that you wanna be able to communicate or, or get as a result of that presentation, meeting, or interview, right? If you can remember the movie City Slickers with Jack Palance, he challenged Billy Crystal to find his one thing. You need to know that objective before you go in. Is that the second true? bit is, go ahead, John. Is that true on a one-on-one? On -one? Type of meeting too. Do you think this could be effective if you're just trying to 
reach out to one or let's say a, you're doing a panel interview online or, or you're having a one-on-one -on -one meeting, can this still apply? Yeah, I, I think it, it, it's got to be about what do you want them to be able to remember or what's that call to action? What would be that potential next step? And it could be that you know that the, the person that you're interviewing values these things, right? Um, so you want to make sure that you're checking those boxes. It could be that you want to be able to be able to move on to the next interview. So you want to rise above the noise, be remembered, be liked enough to be able to move on. So everyone's going to have a different objective. It could be different if it's a sales pitch or a quarterly report or a conference presentation. Right. But you have to know what the objective is before you, you know, just don't show up and throw up. <laughs> um, so. Once you know what your objective is, you also need to be, as part of being clear, is to simplify. And so we talk about in the book that this idea that three is the magic number, that's what people remember. So group your main points or things that you're going to cover in a very easy to remember three-step formula. The next one within clarity is uh, some rules around how do you outline your presentation? How do you, um, how do you divide your time accordingly? And we say really simply, you want to spend a third of your time organizing, sketching, putting your presentation or your plan of attack for that interview together. The second part is you want to illustrate. So you want to, you know, maybe create a, a notes or an outline that you want to be thinking about before you go into that interview. And then I would say you want to do some mock interviews and you want to practice and rehearse how you want to come across. Now, people don't enjoy doing that, but that's a big part of being really in the moment and being effective is when you know your stuff well enough that you don't have to strain to remember it seems very natural and flows the fourth type we talk about this presentation wise you want to make sure what visuals may accompany that presentation or that interview um, is there anything that you potentially bring in or you show um, and so there's a ton of rules around that the last one is this is the and this is a cardinal rule time so when you, you go in for a presentation or an interview, just be very mindful of the time. You know, sometimes the organizer or the interviewer can, can give you additional time, but you as the presenter never want to go beyond that if you can. The cardinal rule is always finishing on time and being able to close in a way that's memorable and repeatable. What are so a that's, couple that's of the, uh, uh, that's that's the ten keys of coming across loud and clear? I would like to, if you don't mind, go over the ten and ask you a quick question on each one. But let's start with sure. ten. Uh, I've seen speakers say things like, "Well, we're just going to move because we got started late. A few more minutes." Usually, even if you're a great speaker, unless you're just a stand-up comedian who's 
getting you know praise and you're an accomplished international speaker you're still breaking the cardinal rule aren't you you are because think about it if you're in a in an event right that could be a a networking break now you're jumping in on someone's time to be able to network right it could be that uh you know there's a you know, time for the sponsor exhibit hall that you're now encroaching on. You've got sponsors that have paid thousands of dollars to be there. Um, it's just, it is, it's not appropriate. It's borderline almost rude. And it doesn't matter whatever excuse it is. There's no excuse for you going beyond that time. I think that's really great because I've also seen it where, you know, Speakers, you know, they're it's almost like they're on a high. Let's say you only got to slide number seven, Stan, but it was still so impactful. If you're looking at time and you're getting close to, to, to missing, you might close it right there. You know, unless yeah, people here, are here's here, here's the thing that we forget is that we have as a presenter or an interviewee. We have the curse of knowledge, right? We, we, we have all this great stuff in our head that we feel like we have to, oh, the audience definitely needs to know that. No, in, in fact, they probably need to know a lot less than what you're going to try to dump on them. Like if I took my own medicine today, I probably would have only shown you three of those 10 keys. And I, w- I would have went deeper into each of those, those three, so you really remembered them. But, but here's the thing, what most, most presenters, especially rookies, will do is that they'll say, I'm gonna do 10, and then they spend 15 minutes on each, you know, on each of the, 15 minutes a piece on each of the first three, and then they try to cover the remaining seven in five minutes. Can't do that. You can't do that. Can and we no go one back? knows. Can we dial that? back a little bit? I want to hit a couple of the, the loud slides and then go to clear and then let, let's finish up. This is really great. I, I also noticed that you are the master of follow-up as one of your secrets as well in how you ensure the audience is engaged even after the presentation, whether it be a book giveaway information they could seek out from you. Tell us about that, because I think that's one of the, one of your secrets we're revealing today. I think you're a master of that. Well, I always, again, I I always think at the end of your presentation, you want to think about what's maybe the one story that you can tell that ties the entire red thread together, you know? that can really reinforce whatever that central idea is, and then be able to challenge the audience to say, hey, this is what I want you to do next to be able to continue. Know that call to action. Um, And so for me, a lot of times it's, you know, there's only so much you can do within 45 minute or an hour presentation, but if I can give you a tool and I'm a big fan of like one page type of tools, or if I can give you the ability to go get the book, let's face it, information is in this day and age, it's free. Why, why gate 
information. That's that's really it's when you can give meaning to information, and and so somebody has an aha or an insight that causes them to do something different is when you've really achieved from a communication perspective. And sometimes that's a coach, a speaker, a presenter, a trainer who helps build that meaning into it for them personally. But the general information, it's how you apply it, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Can we go back to the quick, to the loud and review a bit? And then we'll, again, we'll finish up. I just have a few questions on, on those if you don't mind. No problem. So I'm going to, I'm just going to go. We don't even mind it. You know, any one of the slides, I, I've got a quick question. Yeah, I'm going to go back to loud. You tell me, we'll go through them real quick. So we started out with dressing to impress. And I also noticed that today in this day and age, you're, you've created a real sense of brand on LinkedIn, the way you present and share information. That's, I found that to be very distinctive today, where a lot of people are just, I don't know, they might share an article, they might do something, but you've really found a niche to do that. Could you speak about that? And then I have a question about loud, number two, connect. I'm a big fan of LinkedIn because whether you like it or not, before you walk into that interview, before uh, you step on the stage, there's a lot of people that are going to look up your LinkedIn profile. And they're going to make judgments about, and this is about the address to impress. It's not only your physical experience, appearance, it's also your digital footprint before one word ever comes out of your mouth. They've made an impression. Number two is you, connect. And, and you talk, and, you, so you talk about, could you talk for a moment about signature stories, connecting with people? So powerful. Yeah, I, I think I'm also big, as with the goldfish, I'm big on metaphor as well. And, and so if you can create a, to be able to tell a story, and it could be a very simple story, and if it's personal, it really connects even further. But I have, I have a great story that of me being on this New York City rooftop bar and meeting somebody who said something to me that changed the course of my life hmm. and led me on this journey. And it, and it was a simple thing of someone telling me that there's no such thing as being on time. Hmm. And, and I equated that to the idea that when we deal with a customer or we deal with an you know, employee that's on our team, you're never, ever just going to meet expectations. Right, you're either going to exceed them, or you're going to fall short. And so, whether it's an interview, whether it's a presentation, that same rule applies. You need to be thinking about doing the little signature things that go above and beyond what's expected. Fantastic. Can we go to the next slide? Sure. And we're talking about express. Is, is number three, and then we're going to skip a little bit here, but the feelings you communicate are the words that you use. Would you talk about that just a little bit more in depth there? Yeah, so the, one of the concepts that we talk about in the book is that um, it's about having presence when you're expressing yourself. 
some people when they're in, in an interview and uh, the are in what we call what Patsy Roddenberg, who's one of the greatest acting coaches, calls first circle. So they're very much, John, in their own head. They're probably not making great eye contact. Um, they're jumbled. You can tell that they're thinking while they're speaking. They're just not communicating very, they're not connecting and expressing themselves well. Um, then there's what's called third circle communication. And third circle communication is um, like Tony Robbins style, right? Totally like over the top. And I'm telling you this and like, you know, I, I could care less if you're listening to me because I'm going to tell you what I'm going to tell you, right? Yeah. And there's a second circle that's between first and third circle that's so powerful. And second circle is about being in the moment. It's about connecting with the audience or whoever's interviewing you and not feeling like you're, you're rushing or trying too hard or, you know, getting, being, just being human, right? And, and connecting. And sometimes, What's great is it's not, there's no, all right, you should always be in second circle and never in third or avoid being in first. If, if I tell you, John, like a story of something that happened when I was a kid or when I had a negative experience at work, to me, that, that should be first circle, right? It should feel like I'm sharing something personal with you, right? That maybe it's hard for me to, to share. Um, and you, you even talk about lowering, lowering your voice and, and modulating too. That's all a part of it too, is just is being able to share and not feel like you've got to be on one volume the whole time. It's okay right. to talk quietly. It's okay to take a moment when something's personal, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And the, the more you can you know, if, if the second circle is, I say, people speaking on a scale of one to 10, maybe being at like a six or a seven, like kind of the way I'm speaking right now, I'm with you, we're sharing thoughts, but you know, if I've got something that I'm passionate about and I really want to make a point, I'm going to amp that up to like an eight or a nine or even a 10. I'm going to tell you, there's no way that you can ever be on time or meet expectations because that's powerful. That's part of my message. But if I tell you something that's, you know, a personal story, if I can dial down to a three or two or three or a four, that's going to make the highs seem that much higher without feeling forced. And so we talk about in communication, sometimes, especially when it's feeling only 7% of what you communicate are the words that you use. Well, just to, let's keep rolling on just a couple more questions and we'll wrap. This is, this is already really excellent. When you say don't play 20 questions, finish strong, a little more depth on that. That's really, I've also found very interesting and, and very useful. So there's a, great, there's a great concept in marketing. It's called primacy and recency. And the understanding is that if, if you create a 30-second commercial or 
we spend 30 minutes in an interview together, what's the most impactful time? If it's a 30 second spot, it's the first three seconds that I have to hook you. Yep. And it's the last three seconds. Why? Because that's the, the stuff that you see last is the stuff that's you're going to remember the most. And so social psychologists would call that the peak end rule. Like you remember, especially what happens at the end. So the worst thing you can do when you're presenting or in an interview is that you get the end of the time and it's like, oh yeah, I I don't have any more questions. (laughs) Or uh, uh, does the audience have any, any more, no more questions? Okay, thank you. Really? You, uh, even you know, a one-on-one or a group meeting, you want you want people to be interacting strongly, and you and even as a participant, you and if you're being seen as a participant as a group, you definitely want to have questions, don't you? Even if you don't get them answered, you do. And what I would tell uh, this is an advanced technique uh, is that the rule of Q&A is that the hardest questions are the first two questions because it takes a while for someone to think of something and there's just something about us and humans that we don't want to be first, right? So if you're a smart presenter or an interviewer, um, you might say, well, let me, let me, let me, as we open Q&A, let me tell you the question I almost always get asked. Or you might seed a question or two in the audience or within the chat if it's virtual. Because once you answer that second question, John, you know what happens? What? You can't shut people up. Yeah. But it's getting past that second question. Just getting that. So the inertia. All right, let's fast forward a little bit. A couple more questions. And again, thank you for your time today. Very, very helpful. Now, now we're the last one was entertain. Let's get into clarity again. It started with the one thing, mm-hmm. it then rolled into simplifying what you're going to share. Let's talk about that for a moment. If you're presenting slides, I've just seen bullet points and, and lists, and, and just people are enamored with the information on a slide. Talk about that for a moment. So so slides can be your greatest ally and they can be your worst enemy. And the reason why they can be your greatest ally, John, is what's called the picture superiority effect. Hmm. And it's, it, there's a lot of science, but it's called dual coding. So if I tell you something and you just hear it audio-wise, your recollection a week later might be about 10%. But if I tell you something and I can put a compelling image with it, now you have what's called dual coding. That jumps to 65% a week later. So I tell people, do you have to use images or a prop or a whiteboard when you present? No, you don't. Unless you want people to remember (laughs) what you said. Right? Don't don't feel like you have to use slides or a, a, whatever. 
Um, so, but the problem is people don't create slides. They create, and I didn't coin this, they create slide-uments because they're trying, the slides are trying to accomplish two things, what I'm presenting with and the notes from my presentation. And, and it can't be both. Because your slides are very clear. There are not a lot of words on them. And, and, and I've never seen you, you know, maybe if I hunted back slides that you did 10 years ago, I'd see lots of lines. There's just not a lot of lines. You're, you're using, amplifying the slides with your words that are coming out of your mouth. You're not trying to read those to us, unless it's like a quote at the end of a presentation. I think that's extremely important. Absolutely. And most people make the mistake that they use, they put charts or they load up their slides with bullets. And, um, you know, a chart is irrelevant unless you're going to tell me what it means. Right. And, and bullets, the, the biggest mistake in faux pas that people make is that they let they, all of the bullets show up at once. So as you're talking about the first bullet, everyone's already read right. the remaining ones. <laughs> um, you know, Seth, Seth Godin um, had a great quote about this. He said, uh, guns don't kill presentations. He said, bullets do. <laughs> I love that. Which is a great, great quote from a, a late senator from New York, Patrick Moynihan. He talked about guns don't kill people, bullets do. Um, but it's, it's, uh, it's amazing how many people fall into that trap. They use the slides as a crutch to remember the material. And that, that has become the typical corporate presentation. Well, let's fast forward a little bit. One more question and then we'll finish up. Yeah, preparation was the rule of kind of rule of thirds. Right. Third of your time sketching out, a third of the time thinking about the visuals and filling out the presentation, and then a third of the time rehearsing and learning, we would say in the silver methodology. Starting, illustrating, learning. And the key is uh, the, the really money tip here is most people don't like to practice or rehearse. There's a difference between practicing and rehearsing. And what I would tell people, if you have a limited amount of time to practice, practice is a certain part of the talk. A rehearsal is the entire talk from beginning to end. Just practice the openings and the closings. Excellent. People are going to forget about what's in the middle but don't mess up the open to grab their attention and, and the close. That's good. Let's go on one more and I'm gonna ask a question and then you are gonna wrap it up because you are the master of that. Yep, we'll wrap it up. So we talked about visualize this idea of, you know, when you think about putting your visuals together, that whole idea of the picture superiority effect is part of that. Explain that, we, if you don't mind, explain that as we end up, and then I want you to just finish up with your, your last notes. Thank you so much for your time and your yeah, expertise. So Dan. there's a ton of great resources out there. 
both free and paid for images. Make sure you have rights to your images that you use. Um, try to avoid, we already talked about bullets, limit the text that you have. Great slides have no text on them, mm. right? They become just the backdrop for what you're saying and that anchor visually. Um, so limit the amount of text. Um, great point here, if you've ever seen the viewfinder of a camera, it mm -hmm. looks like a tic-tac-toe board. Those intersecting points are what's called the four power points. And so where do you want to place the emphasis of an image or your text? Don't put it right in the middle of the screen. Anchor it in those four points. And then lastly, try to stand out in the sea of sameness. Don't use Calibri, which is the default font for Microsoft. Pick a font that you know, jives with whatever your presentation style and the message is and use that. Don't, don't do the, please, <laughs> don't use the default. And because I'm promoting you, please tell us where we get more information on your books, on, on some of the emphasis today, and then we'll, we'll let that be the last words of the, of the podcast today and the presentation. Thank you again. Great. Great. Thank you, John. Uh, Silver Goldfish is coming out on May 5th. Again, the 10th color in this Goldfish series. You can find all of my books on Amazon, uh, Stan Phelps. And if you want to dive a little deeper on the keynotes and the workshops and the webinars and virtual talks that I do, you can go to stanphelpsspeaks.com. Stanphelpsspeaks.com. Thank you, Stan.